Well, welcome back to Sheep Stuff You Should Know. I'm Dan Macon up here in rainy Auburn, California. First time I've been able to say that for a while. And as usual, I'm joined by uh, Ryan Mahoney wearing a, a really spiffy Oakland A's cap today in honor of, of spring training and green collar baseball. And uh, we're, we're glad to be back. How's things in Rio Vista? Pretty good. I had to had to face the elements to get to the podcast recording today. We had, uh, we, gosh, we had all this wet stuff come out of the sky, and it, it just caused heck on these roads. I mean, it, my dirt roads weren't dusty, and and uh, I had this like I don't know, it was like this wet, mucky stuff that splashed up on my my trucks and got my door handles dirty. And man, it's been weird. We even had a little ice fall from the sky. It was just, I mean, for California, this is rough. I had to get my owner's manual and my pickup out and figure out how to turn on the wipers. It was awful. Yeah, my bike, my back windshield wiper on my Jeep is broken. I just found out because <laughs> I haven't had to use it for <laughs> 12 months or something. It was crazy. Broken, but not worn out, right? Yeah, <laughs> just broken, just sunburned and cracked. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Very good. So how's lambing going? You're, you're, you should be darn near wrapping her up. We're good. We're two thirds of the way through. So, and right last on. night was the, you know, we got, we got down in the high thirties with rain here tonight, last night. So it was the first real test and everybody made it through just fine. Got your raincoats out working. Got my raincoats out working and, and, uh, we saved some sheltered paddocks for, for days like this. And, I went out last night about seven thirty, eight o'clock, and man, they were all bundled bundled up underneath the trees and yeah, warm as could be. So, do you have any lightning issues or lightning stories? You know, we didn't have any lightning this time. We have had lightning, and it it usually doesn't affect things too much. I I worry about the border collies because they're all a little gun shy, but um, I've never had any any lightning issues with the sheep. Have you ever had? problems uh one time we had a lightning strike uh in our feedlot oh wow yeah and and i think we lost a couple of lambs not a lot but it was a i mean it looked like a strike it just yeah kind of all ones that were closest to the fence line just were there was a couple of dead ones there and everything else was fine and then they blew the fences out oh yeah it struck and then they ran away and blew down the fences but Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. I don't know. I had a couple stories of like some cowboys where like the cows are hiding under a tree and the lightning hits it and find their cows all gone, turned over sideways the next morning. I always like having to open wire gap gates during a lightning storm. That always makes me excited. You know, if I'm out in the rain and trying to oh, get yeah. through a gate, it always makes me a little nervous. Heck yeah. <laughs> How are things there? Good. Everything's good. We're, we're just holding it together. So yeah, it's kind of wild times. I don't know. Have you been paying attention to these land markets? I have. Crazy. Holy man. The sheep is worth a lot of money these days. Absolutely crazy. I, it's uh, We're selling our coal use for more dollars a pound than we were lambs last year. Same time. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, Unreal. The more? swing. Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what is it we're we i always used to joke in the when the cattle market was red hot here four five six years ago i was joking you could buy a squirrel and make money that year 
<laughs> just whatever you buy, just call it a sheep and sell it. Man, you make a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. For us, though, when these markets get super red hot like that, I, I mean, it's really good. And and gosh darn it, it's so nice to see the U receiving good money for their animals because yeah. the, the costs have not gone, gone down at all the last few years. And so yeah. it's really nice to see some money returning down to that farm gate. But um, I always get really nervous because, man, the risk that is involved in, in I guess, when you're when, when the market is down and you buy it for not a lot of money, say you buy a feeder lamb for $100, you can lose $100 a head. And that's the maximum you'll lose. Yeah. Well, when you buy a $200 lamb, now you can lose 200 And so it's a lot more risk. And you know, rewards are great, but, man, it's a... I get I get awful nervous. It's a good it's a good opportunity to really reevaluate your risk management strategy, I think. That's a really good point. And I think I'd be curious your perspective on the the huge upside variability that we're seeing seeing now. Is it gonna be equalized at some point? Maybe it already has been by a huge downside variation yeah, in the market, right? Yes. I I really like to dedicate a podcast to this here in the next couple of weeks. Um yeah. Probably next time we talk, I'll I'll probably bring this one. But I I know just just to scratch the surface a little bit, uh, but like you know, I, I, the consumer ultimately pays everybody's bills. That consumer can only pay so much, and so there's a top side to what they're willing to pay. And you got inflation, and that dollar changes as things go. But there's a maximum amount, yeah. and then there's a minimum amount you can produce it for. And those markets, supply demands are are swinging it. But as that price, you know, when you're operating at one point in that price discovery equation, there's a lot of price discovery. There's the farm gate where the U, there's the feeder reselling the fat, there's the the fat turning it into a carcass, there's the carcass turning it into a retail product, there's a retailer selling it. So there's a lot of price discovery within that. And so as the you know, I consider the U, we're at the bottom end of that equation. As more money goes to that U, the less percent or less money is available for it to go up and the more chance for it to go down because it's like a spring where you push too high up, it's going to push itself back at some point. Mm -hmm. And I feel, you know, last year, I would say we were actually in the inverse of this where right. there was so much downward pressure that they were taking it all out of the U. And so we were receiving nothing for those lambs. Well, now when, when that was the case, um, you know, the market was in the tank, we weren't getting anything for the lambs. The odds of it going lower was much smaller. The yeah. odds of it going up are much greater. But then when it's when verses like this, the odds of it going down are very great. The odds of it going up from here are minimal. And that doesn't mean it can't happen. I mean, GameStop is a great example of how it right. can, you know, blow all fundamentals out the window, but the principles are there and supply and demand are there. So whenever you get in these high markets, one, what you have is worth a lot of money. So you have money to do things with. And so it's a great opportunity to really reevaluate under a discipline, you know, under self-discipline, evaluate your risks and target investments. It's a great time to pay down debt. It's a great time to um, do strategic, uh, if you're going to invest in a different product. Now's a great time to do it. Um, the worst thing you can do is just think it's going to be great forever because it, it'll turn quick and yeah. you yeah. don't want to, you don't want to necessarily borrow a lot of money on this high dollars. You want to borrow on the low dollars. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that we could spend several podcasts on that. I like. I think one. we've already spent like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. We're done. We're done. All right, wrap it up. <laughs> podcast. We catch you guys next time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you think on this? No, I think I I really like that illustration of of the upward pressure versus downward pressure um, on the market, and I think I think you know even at a at a small scale like we operate at. Um, there's, there's a tendency to look at a good market as a windfall and, and just go absolutely crazy. And I think it's really important to be strategic and thoughtful about how we invest that into that opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I would argue that you have more risk in a hot market than you do in a low market. And yeah, just generally. And yeah. It's a lot, a lot of money's lost in low markets, but I think the the risk is lower there than it is in the higher. So yeah. I mean, if you're going to borrow money from a bank and you're going to guarantee the value of a U for four or five years, you're better off undervaluing that U at that lower value price and then taking advantage of the high money than you are borrowing at the high value, having it drop. And then you all of a sudden can't afford the debt service. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've, I've got now. I got you're going to keep me awake all night tonight thinking about this. Good. Stuff. I'm Thanks well, you know. Thanks a, a lot. Aspiring economic ec- economists. <laughs> I'm a feral must, economist. Must, a feral must economist. contemplate such great things. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anywho, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw a curveball because uh, I'm wearing my A's hat, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and jump into the subject. So, what I wanted to talk about today was uh, was it, I love lambing. Everybody loves lambing. That's when so much work is done. That's when you really, you know, rubber hits the road and, and your crop is made at lambing, so to say. But there's this big step between lambing and weeding that often gets overlooked and we don't talk about. So I thought the day would be a great opportunity. You're just finished, you know, you're getting to the bottom end of lambing. And I want to dig into that process between when the lamb's born, you got it on the ground, everything's all good to weaning and really try to cover that area as far as what, you know, what, what kind of management strategies or goals or what you're looking for out of your you in that time frame. So the first question I guess I'd ask you is, um, you know, when you got that pair made, um, looking at the you, what are some of the basic nutrition things you're looking at for that you and what's a marker of a you doing well, are you doing bad, some of those kind of things. I was going to answer your your general premise by saying that's when we go on vacation, right? That's when most guys do. Yeah, that, <laughs> me too. I, well, yeah, then you just wean them, right? That's they're right. Just, that's right. Yeah. They they just show up weaned. Just yeah. close your eyes and then gain fifty pounds and you sell them. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's a that's a the question of of what we're looking at the you. I think is a really good question, and I. You know, I think part of that strategy probably goes back to what they looked like going into breeding and going in for us going into the the late fall. So, you know, we're we're we want some good body condition. We're going into to winter time. We don't want them thin going into to kind of mid gestation. Um, but then as they start nursing those lambs, gosh, the the energy input that that use got to got to be taken in on a daily basis 
to maintain her own function and to produce milk is just, you know, that's, that's, we're putting a lot of, of, um, stress on that. You not bad stress, but we're, we're depending on her to be able to convert the feed we're putting ahead of her. She's working hard. She's working really hard. So we're looking at, I look at body condition score, you know, on a dirt while they're lactating. I look at, you can kind of tell lambs that are, or on an upward plane versus lambs that are struggling. And that's something I look at too. Do you look at, you? Do you, when you do your body condition score, are you doing a, a one through five kind of sit, like what's your, how do you score them? Yeah, I, we use a one through five and, and if we can get our hands on them, you know, we'll take a sampling when we're working them yeah. or moving them or something and just kind of get a sense of how much fat cover they've got. So then going into lambing, you'll want them at what? Four? I like them at a three and a half or I cheat. I give half scores, but I like it. Yeah. You got a round that 0.5 rounds up, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, have you ever seen some uh, body score sixes? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They weren't pregnant though. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yep. That's how you know they're dry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like them. I like them between that three and four range. And then once you lamb them out, they drop, right? Drop. Yep. What what do they drop? Half point, point? I you know, if they're nursing twins, a point, I think. What what yeah. do you what do you kind of see with your sheep? Um, yeah, we're not we're not measuring at that well. I you know, I think you guys do a much better job of measuring that. Uh, but we like to go into lambing at a slightly above average body condition score so mm-hmm. you know, just like you're saying three 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 and a half somewhere in there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then um once they lamb they drop one to one and a half and then we try to maintain that right lower body condition score we don't want them to drop although some will and some will drop because they have huge lambs and their udder is just enormous and they're yep. putting all their energy to that Yep. Um, the real heavy wool sheep will use a lot more energy. It seems sometimes if they're mm-hmm. growing wool and lactating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, but you're trying, we're trying to just hold that condition post lambing is really what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do too. And, and, you know, it's interesting. We shear on a different schedule than you do. So our ewes are lactating when we shear mm-hmm. and our shearer can tell by the, by how the ewe shears, whether she's nursing a single or twins, <laughs> just because of what she's, what, she, how hard she's working if she's got two big twins on her at that point. It's amazing the effect. I, I, I guess the better way to say it is amazing what wool will tell you. Yeah. When you pull those fibers and you look at it and you feel it and you just all of the, I mean, that it's such a, it's so reflective of the years handling is yep. sitting there in that fleece. Yep. I feel bad for my cattlemen friends because they don't get that kind of report card on how they're doing. It really is a report card. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It really is. Yeah. So you're trying to hold that, that, that deal. So you got to go on to good feed. So like in our deal, we'll go right to those alfalfa fields um, where you're spring lambing. I guess the feed is on a normal year, feed would be quite lush. Um, but your growing season is up there in the hills where the feed gets really strong and good starts when, right now, you know, April 1st, right about now we we try to, 
we're always kind of walking that line between it being a little too early to start lambing, but making sure that we can take advantage of the grass when it does come. So I kind of figure March 1st is that typical break date for us that we're going to get into rapid growth. What's interesting, and, and we found this through the drought and we're seeing it this year, is that um, we might have less feed, but it's a lot more powerful this year than it is in a wet year. And I think that's the kind of the trade-off, right? That that we're not as washy as we might be in a wet year. And and so, gosh, the, the quality of the feed is just tremendous right now. Yeah. I, was just, I had lunch with my grandpa today. He got his vaccine, so we're able to, I got mine, so we're able to awesome. officially to talk again. But um, yeah, he, he was, we were talking about the, the fillery this year and it's the best fillery I've seen. It, you know, the feed's short everywhere, but man, the, the quality of the feed is just tremendous for the sheep, especially the cows. We've talked about yeah, it a lot. Right. The cows definitely struggle more, but the, the sheep, I mean, I, yeah, we're, we're looking at one of the best you, you years. I mean, if we didn't have any coyotes, it'd be amazing, but it's definitely one of the best sheep years. <laughs> Well, I think that's, you know, partly, partly part of the story of, of our lack of problems last night on a, a cold, wet, windy night. Um, the amount of calories that those lambs are getting out of the milk right now is just, that's, that's better than any kind of shelter or raincoat you can put on a lamb. Yeah, fat on lambs is, is a, yeah, it's amazing to me that that's one I think kind of misconception. I think a lot of people that don't, don't engage in agriculture realizes how well equipped animals like yeah. sheep or cows, how equipped for weather they are. They're naturally, yeah. you know, they're in their natural environment when they're getting rained on and they're out in the elements, just like they're in that natural environment when it's 75 and sunshine. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Exactly. It's pretty amazing how just, I my, I know my grandpa always said, but like when you shear them, they need that, you know, they need that 24 hours to rebuild that lanolin. But once you get past that 24 hours, you'll have a freshly shorn ewe, but that it's already insulating itself. And it's just, it's amazing what that animal can do with just wool right. and lanolin and yeah. the, the thickness of the skin and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, I'm, I'm, I always remind myself on a night like this that I got to trust the sheep that they've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Yeah. And there's a difference between wearing wool clothes and knowing how warm it is and actually growing wool clothes. <laughs> yeah. if you're growing the wool clothes. It's different, right? <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so back to kind of that you and maintaining or what, what kind of, um, you give it any, any vaccine treatments, worm treatments, uh, you know, what kind of health issues are you looking at monitoring over that time frame? So we're, we're always looking at, at health issues like you would with any, any stock. I think typically because the nutrition is good at this point that we don't see a lot of health issues with the ewes. Um, we do look for mastitis like we've talked before. How do you, uh, how do you watch for that when a lactating you in a field, you know? I look for, um, for distended bags, so really big udders. You know, or or a ewe that doesn't want to stand to be to let her lambs nurse um, if she's got some pain or discomfort yeah. there, um, and then I'll I'll check both her and I'll check the lamb. Sometimes the lamb can cause that too. 
So then when you're out there in the field and you check, we've probably said this 10 times on the episode, but I don't think you can say it enough. What do you do when you get that, that you, and it's got some mastitis kind of what's your, well, now that I've learned from Dr. Bush about what we should do, I try to get that you, that pair isolated from the rest of the, the group. So I try to get her moved out, maybe put her in a pen out there where we're running or, or bring her home or do something different. And so that, you know, that takes being able to identify her lambs. That's always a part of that challenge too. And, and um, we'll treat with antibiotics if, if we can confirm that we've got an infection going on. I haven't really had too many infections while we're lactating. I see more clinical mastitis when we're trying to dry the use off. Um, hmm. And I'll, we'll use, we'll use those, uh, oh, what's it called? A day or tomorrow, those, those yep. inner butter yeah. um, antibiotics. What do you do? How, what do you look for out? Oh, I'd, I'd say everything the same, except that when, once they've made it into those bands, we won't isolate the U. It's okay. just too, it's a lot of work to yeah. isolate it. So we'll marker, we'll put an ear tag in the ear or notch the ear. And um, then when she comes around, Again, and then we'll treat the mastitis with antibiotics or the tomorrow or something like that. And, um, yeah. And then, but we'll leave it nursing inch. Um, we actually did. So this year, I think I mentioned that we, um, held, held off or I pulled out all of the ones with mastitis in that lambing camp. And we did see a decrease in the mastitis and the pairs in those bunches. So it seemed to have worked a little bit. So we'll probably continue that next year yeah. on everything. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard. I that, mean, when you do secure. those kind of field studies like that and you're trying to run a business and be efficient, it's very, um, your results are anecdotal and it's not like you get at the end of it, you get a nice <laughs> written white paper on here's the control. Here's what we did. Here's what it is. And here's our exact results. It's very much, here's what we did. Let's look at it. Seems like the numbers match. Let's try it again. <laughs> That's kind of how the real world research works. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of a tweak than a, a black and white answer to it. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. And that everything's helps me, like that. I think that really helps me justify um, changing it again in two or three years after we think it doesn't work for the same reasons we thought it did. <laughs> so. so, what kind of, no, do, you have any, do you have any routines or um, like that? Uh, you, you use any, um, you give them any C and D? Do you worm the use on a regular basis? Or do you do it based on visuals? Like how do you? So we typically don't do anything um, with the use or the lambs until we wean. So and you you mark the lambs or tail the lambs right there when they're born. So that's yeah. when you're handling them. Yep. Yep. So and they so won't... at that point, it doesn't do any good to do any vaccinations anyway, unless we're using tetanus, which which we can't get right now anyway. Really? Um, it may be available again, but there was a couple of years you couldn't get tetanus antitoxin at all. Oh, using the antitoxin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 We just use the regular CDT vaccine. That's what we do in the use. You know, we'll yeah. vaccinate before lambing and then that carries through. So we do that to the use before lambing and then we'll give it to the lamb that marking. But those lambs are going to be three to four weeks old. And they can mount mount a, an immune response yeah. at that between what came through and then yeah yeah and if you're handling them right at the yeah that makes sense but don't take our and word we'll, for we'll it consult your use. vet 
Exactly. Exactly. We will look at the use at lambing time or at uh, shearing time. And if there's anybody that looks like we need to, to treat with a dewormer, we'll do it. We, we kind of look at that. We look at uh, a modified version of the FAMACHA system. So we'll look at, at uh, third eyelid color. And if they've got you know, loose, loose diarrhea or something like that, we'll treat. But typically, because they're on good nutrition and because they're on grass and moving quickly, you know, they're only going to be on a paddock for at most seven days before they're on to feed that hadn't been grazed for, for more than three months in our system. We're not really picking up much parasite load. So then that, that um, kind of opens up my next question. I I'd like to, so the, the theory that you're going there is you're just really trying to take that best feed, right? And the purpose of that is to get the, like, you want to explain the purpose of it rather than me guess? <laughs> well, I want to hear your guess and then I can tell you whether or not you're right. Oh, just to get the highest protein, most palatable, highest energy feeds into that animal rather than having yep. that nutrition plane oscillate up and down. You're, you're keeping it more consistent. Yep. We're trying, we're kind of allowing the use to high grade a little bit, even in our rotational system. You know, we're, we're letting them tell us when it's time to move. And we might move a little quicker than we would if we're trying to do, you know, take feed down for fire control or fire protection. We're letting them, we, we like, we like paddocks with a lot of very variability and diversity um, because then the ewes I think have a lot of nutritional wisdom and they're able to pick out um, the kinds of forage plants that, that are meeting their needs at a particular time in their production cycle. I like the- having, Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and then the results of that is better weight gains on the lambs, right? Absolutely. See that translate in how the lambs are doing. So body condition score or body condition maintenance equates to utter health. Utter health equates to lamb health. Yep. And so I guess one of the other questions, how do the lambs transition themselves from milk to grass? You dirt before you've weaned. I think, so there's some really interesting research that was done at Utah State, actually, by a guy looking at grazing behavior. And um, and you probably see this in your sheep like we do with ours. Um, sheep are learning how to graze from watching their moms. And so I've, I've seen two- and three-day-old lambs these last couple of weeks starting to nibble at grass. Now, they're not getting nutritional um, intake off of doing that, but they're learning what their mom's eating and learning what's good to eat. Um, We start to see them make that transition probably at two to three weeks where they're starting to graze a little bit. And by the time we'll ship out of where we've got them right now, um, probably the first weekend of April. And by the time we move those lambs, the, the lambs that were born in February, you, you notice increased consumption in that group of sheep because those lambs are starting to graze a fair bit of grass. So, so for us, move, that's moving, not weaning, right? Right, right, right. So they're, they're starting, they'll start to graze a little bit at two to three weeks of age. And, and then they progressively graze more. And then what would you guess your, you know, what do you guess the percentage of that nutrition for that lamb when you move there, whatever it is, 40, 50 days later? Um, is it eating 50% grass, 50% milk as far as nutrition, filling its nutrition demand or what, 
What would you guess? I have no idea. I just, that's, a that's good why question. I asked the question. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I would suspect that by the time those lambs are 50 days old, they're probably getting half of their nutritional intake out of the grass. Um, I know that the protein and energy they're getting from the milk will mask some forage quality problems in the lambs that if, mm-hmm. if you wean those lambs and the feed quality is not there, they're going to, they're going to drop off more than if you have higher quality feed, just because they're getting some good protein and energy out of the milk. Is the milk that this totally, I, I hope I, I might stump you on that. I'm hoping to stump you on this one. <laughs> is the milk better quality protein or higher energy than grass? Ooh. So like that lamb taking a bite of clover versus that lamb drinking a pint of milk. What's got the, and, but that, that milk gets fed through a you. What has the higher energy? I think we're going to have to ask Dr. Petty about that. One of these. That would be a good one for him. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a really good question. We've been threatening to have him on for quite a while. We really got to follow through. I know. I I think, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're just going to have to go kidnap him and something, you know, tie him to a chair, put a microphone in his face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good question. That's a good question. What, so yet that, it's got to get to all sorts of, of questions about digestibility and yeah. And I mean, I think it else. just thinking aloud, I would think it probably, I probably, it probably, the answer is probably that's irrelevant. Right? You need a, <laughs> you need a balance. You can't live off of just milk and you can't, you gotta, you gotta transition to grass. The rumen's built to digest grass. And so, yeah, it's probably, the answer is probably both and it's irrelevant. But. Although, so thinking about this in a, a little project we did with cattle on early weaning, where we weaned a set of calves in March, and then we weaned the rest of the calves in June, those calves we weaned in March went on really good quality feed, and they weighed about 100 pounds less than the calves that we weaned in June. So there's got to be something to that. Yeah. Question. Didn't you say there was pink eye in one bunch of those too? Yeah. 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 Cause that'll knock that. That'll knock them. That'll knock the heck out of the weight. But that's a chicken or egg issue too, right? Right. That's cause we're, yeah, you're trying to, <laughs> that's why, that's why field studies are always fun because you're dealing with biology and the 10 million influencing <laughs> factors that you can't control and trying just to pretend you're only measuring one. <laughs> Some of us don't even pretend. No, yeah, that's good. Um, good question. Yeah, That'd be a good one to think. Well, about. and I guess the other side of that question is: so you have a pound of grass that's grown, and if you take that grass and you feed it through a ewe, you feed that pound of grass through a ewe, and it produces milk, and then puts pounds on that lamb, or you feed it to that lamb. Are you getting a better conversion of pound of feed to weight gain? straight into the lamb or through the ewe into the lamb? Do you think that's dependent somewhat on the lamb's age and physiological ability to digest the forage? Uh, yeah, I think there's a, yes, I think there's an element of that. I think so. I think it's like a lot of things. It's not a one word answer, but I do know, 
I do, I do know like we don't, we don't like to run breeding livestock on our irrigated pasture because the weight gain is going into the U. And I think it, a lot of it comes to what that U is doing, because if that U is eating extra energy and putting on body condition and not putting it in, in a milk and wool growth, yeah, then you're putting it into non-saleable pounds yeah. versus putting it straight into a lamb. You're putting it into saleable pounds again. Yeah. So that's why we don't like to do that. But you're like this, we are, but yeah, that's a good way to. to look at it. What, what, how are you going to monetize that forage most efficiently? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So, uh, back to this. So now on the lambs, you looking at any worm issues or do you have any health protocols, vaccines, anything you're looking at on those lambs routines that you're putting them into? Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll monitor, um, kind of their body condition, their general appearance, monitor their health. And, and typically we don't see a lot of problems between lambing and weaning in terms of lamb health. Um, I'm sure that we've got some coccidia kind of just, um, it's always there, always there, but we don't see it manifest itself till they're stressed by weaning or stressed yeah. by hot weather. Um, we'll, we'll look for things like joint ill or navel ill. Um, typically don't see a lot of respiratory issues in the lambs while they're nursing. Um, you know, and, and I think we may have seen some clostridial issues and not known that's what we were seeing, but if we can get a, a lamb, I was just thinking about this the other day. If I can get a lamb to survive for five days, I can pretty much get a lamb to survive till weaning. It seems like they're pretty hardy. Once you get them past that first five days, um, if they're getting enough to eat and, and keeping up with mom, they're pretty tough critters at that point. What what do you what do you look for at that phase? Are you guys doing other than your CD and T vaccine at marking? Is there anything else? Uh, CD and T and wormers uh, worming routine is is critical for us um, with the lambs as well as the ewes. Uh, the lambs are more critical than the ewes. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're just, they're more sensitive to it. And it, you know, everything they're experiencing is new. And so they, right. they react more and you're building a lot of resistance to things while they're younger. Um, we, like I said, we market three to four weeks of age. And so we'll give our CDT booster at that point. And then we'll go back and reworm them usually about 30 days later is okay. when we'll give them their first wormer. Okay. Um, and then we just kind of monitor them and rotate them through. And often we'll usually just booster with the CD pretty much every time we have to warm them. Unless okay. it's pretty close Okay. in days. Um, and we're using like a white warmer injectable combination. So just logistically, do you then take those portable corrals that you use at marking and set them up where the band is and, and bring them through? Yeah, if we have to. Typically by that time, they'll be on irrigated pasture. Because okay. if you go three to four, or it just depends if and like when we're on our alfalfa we're moving and progressing and we're not staying a long time so you won't yeah. get a big worm load on those sheep but if you go back and regraze or you um or you put them on irrigated pasture for whatever reason then you'll start that's when you'll see the bloom come through what kinds of of parasites do you see in the lambs is it mostly homonchus that you think you're seeing i have or? no idea okay yeah they're wormy <laughs> <laughs> those kind of worms yeah i've seen yes 
Yeah. Yes, and, and yes, <laughs> and then the really bad infections are really wormy. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting beyond my technical capabilities. Yeah, yeah, I felt pretty bad last week uh, with all the different names, the scientific names of stuff. I was like, oh man, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> I, I go back I, to I, cheesy boils. I that one I get. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the other question I had is how do you decide when to wean? That's a good question. And we probably both have different criteria. Um, in the past, some of the things that we've looked at were forage that we had ahead of us. You know, did it make sense to get the lambs off and, and marketed? Because we market a lot of our lambs at weaning. Um, we've looked at whether we had paying jobs for the ewes to go out and do weed control or fire protection grazing. And so if we had people that were willing to pay for the ewes, we might wean the lambs a little earlier than we would otherwise. This year, we've kind of decided that um, we've got enough irrigated pasture of good enough quality that we want to try to make two passes over all the pasture before we wean. And that means probably we won't wean till July this year, which is a little later than we've typically done. Um, and it'll be one of those experiments. We'll, you know, we'll see what the, what the weaning weights are like and what the market's like at that point. It, knowing my luck, it'll probably be a week to 10 days after the market decides that it needs to to go back down um but that's we also look at the condition of the ewes you know if they're really starting to drop condition we'll we'll maybe think about weaning. what what do you look at other than the weather conditions like we've had this year well, i'm not answering that right now i'm asking another <laughs> question what is what's the youngest age you can wean them at you can wean a, a lamb at um as young as six weeks oh yeah I've never done that. Um, that's tough to do. I would think that's really hard on that lamb. Unless you're in like, if you're in a confined setting where you can, yeah. you know, that, that nutrition plane is the size of the roof. Then yeah. Maybe. But um, in any I, kind of grass system, I don't see how you can make that work. Do it. I think if you were creep feeding the, the lambs all along and they were kind of starting to, to get some extra feed anyway, that that yeah. can kind of work. We've weaned, when do you wean your bottle lambs? About two, two months. So about eight weeks. Eight weeks, yeah. Yeah, that's about what we do. Yeah. And that, they never do quite as well, but it's nice to be done. Man, yeah. you know what those things do awful good. For, I mean, I, it's amazing how big some of those, those guys can be when it comes to getting them to town. I mean, we'll be sending a load of springers and I'll see a bunch of, yellow tags in the ears and make holy cow that's a, <laughs> a heck of a bummer lamb right there that I, ain't no bummer no more i we could devote a, a session to that yeah you know, i mean I your lepies you always you always see the lepies you know and so you, right yeah, that that was one real surprising thing because i you always see the lepies and you know they're oh that one's that one's mr mr nibbles i know that lamb and <laughs> it's been that way since he was born and never grew an inch <laughs> but that that was a surprising thing when we ear tagged and mixed them in and we were able to actually identify them and i'd say a good 70 percent of them you couldn't sort off 
And That's remarkable. It was pretty impressive. I mean, it's good feed, good clover, and and they're good yeah. lambs. So yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. Um, so you said, so you asked me a question about what do we look at? Yeah. What, yeah. So, what do you guys look at at weaning? How do you make that call? So um, I mentioned a couple times already, but we, we've been pushing to wean earlier Yeah. Um, in order to flush the ewes properly prior to breeding. Yeah. And um, so we, we look at age, size, and then the feed stuffs that we have. Um, I also look at freight and having to move stuff around. So we have to freight stuff to the alfalfa, and then we have to freight things home. And so if I can avoid freighting the lambs home, which would then have to be freighted back, I skip two trucks, basically. So I'm able to save some money right there. Yeah. So I always like to try to wean as we're getting off the alfalfa. Um, we tend to get off first of January, which is about a month before we really should, where we really like to start weaning first of February. And so there's always this month that we play with. And um, sometimes we'll put the pears on the area to pasture for a month and then sell them. Sometimes we'll move them back to the hills and wean. It just really depends. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that age is and the age is becoming more and more of a driving factor than the size. I used to be very concerned with the size. Um, and, and so like the twins, we were real hesitant to start weaning the twin bands early, the singles we would, but the twins we didn't do till year two. And, and the theory behind that was those lambs need that accompaniment of a you to teach them things, to show them things, to kind of lead them and help them progress. But I, Feel like we've kind of solved that when we put the older ewes with them mm-hmm. from another band they kind of did the same thing mm-hmm. and they were able to get over that wean a lot easier um but yeah i we we look at that the other question that that um i know is on a lot of people's mind uh when it comes to deciding when to wean is the effect your sale how you sell the lambs um how that interacts with the weaning time. So yeah. If you are selling the lamb as a lamb right off the ewe or as a feeder or as a non-finished lamb, then carrying that lamb longer on that ewe makes a lot of spe- a sense, especially in like a range operation, I think. Yeah. I think because they're not not I mean it doesn't sound right when you say it, but a range operation has a lot of feed. They're not really limited by the feed because they're going on these, you know, they're basically able to herd all over. Yep. And so you have feed for both those ewes and those lambs. And so to be able to, to, to utilize that and wean it right off, because when you do wean a lamb, it drops some condition and then yep. it takes some time to put it back on. Yep. No matter how good you are at weaning. And so yep. sometimes that makes sense. Um, so if you can get value for weaning your lambs, then I think it's probably a really good idea to wean them. But if you can't get necessarily value, it probably makes a lot of sense to sell them as a, as a balling lamb, if you will. Yeah. And that, I think there's a whole lot of nuance to that too. Isn't there? It's very operational to operation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I really like, I really like the idea of weaning early, prepping those ewes up for the following season and then getting that lamb um, weaned off of that milk and purely eating grass. When you're looking at buying lambs, what do you like to look at? 
Oh, wean lamb is worth a ton of money. Yeah. The yeah. market doesn't pay for it yet. It right. does in the cattle, but doesn't on the sheep right now. Right. I think as you see the video sales mature, I think you'll see some of that, um, that those values start to be realized. Yeah. More. And, right. and, and quality of somebody's management start to have. Absolutely. I think you yeah. saw that in some of these last videos. Yeah. Um, reputation definitely brings yep. a premium. Yep. Yep. And not that ones that didn't sell well didn't have reputation. It's just the ones that sold the best had sterling reputations that were built over years of sales. And it takes one bad sale to ruin a reputation and it takes years to build one. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and that we found that two years ago we sold sold weaned lambs into an ethnic market um, guy that moves a lot of lambs that way. And it was interesting. Um, you've probably never had this experience, but, uh, but he was a little grumpy when he found out we were bringing weaned lambs and then he saw what we had done with them and was happy with, with when we delivered them. And I think that's part of it too, is kind of knowing when that window is on your lambs. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of kind of misconception, especially in those kind of direct to slaughter markets where uh, uh, a non wean lamb is going to be fatter than a wean lamb. Typically a lot of times these, you see an operation that weans them, they'll shed their milk fat or their bloom, and then they'll turn it on to start putting on muscle. Yep. And if you, if you wean them and you're selling into that market and you haven't put that, that fat cap back on, um, you'll, you know, it's not going to be good on a direct to slaughter. It'll be great yeah. for a feeder buying them, yeah, but it's bad right. for direct to slaughter. So it just, it's just about knowing your markets and knowing where you're going with it and what you're kind of geared towards and understanding what you're selling. And being open to that feedback from somebody that's looking at them through a different set of eyes too. You know, yeah, that's, that, that's how you understand. You, you don't know what, where, if you, if you don't know what the buyer's doing with them, then you can't really yeah <laughs> manage to that market. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a really good yeah. point. So last question I got, got, got four minutes to wrap it up so I can get to swim <laughs> practice here. But, uh, the last question is, um, is breeding a wet you breeding a wet you breeding a lactating you. Is there a downside to breeding a lactating you? That's a question I don't know the answer to. I would imagine that they may not start cycling for a little bit while they're lactating, but but I don't know that to be true. Um, well, they're such highly fertile animals. I know like in the mountain yeah. ranges, it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And they do, right. they do real well, they do really well because would, they're in their natural environment. I mean, they're just, yeah. But it would depend on their condition too. Right. So if, if, yeah, it feeds amazing up there and they're yeah. high altitude, the weather's perfect. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, perfect it's immaculate conditions if you're a sheep you want to live in the idaho mountains right <laughs> even if you're not a sheep you may want to live there right well in the summertime yeah <laughs> you'd be I, searching I, for them winter ranges if you <laughs> <laughs> or a different kind of sheep yeah <laughs> no i it, i think it would have to p- depend really on condition i think our use if we had ewes that could breed in the spring and we were spring lamb and we wanting to want to get them cycling again, I think it'd be tough because they're by the time that feed's playing out, they're they're at the low point of their body condition. Yeah. I think it would be difficult. I would I mean I just just theoretically, depending on it depends on feed, depends on condition. If you're breeding yeah. on good feed, I'm they should get pregnant. They should. Well, 
So how old are those lambs in the mountains when when the rams are turned out? So those are pretty good sized lambs. Yeah, no, they're they're going to be post 90 days. They're they're yeah. big strong. Yeah, yeah, I mean you're looking at they're going to lamb. So what's 5 max what's gosh, are you going to make me do a calculator? <laughs> so look through your calendar. 5 months times 30 days, that's 150 days minus 160. So that's 200 days, 200 divided by 30 you're breeding them and the lamb is six months old six to seven months old so that lamb so for all intents and purposes is probably kind of weaned anyway yeah or or it's like it had just loaded and is headed out or yeah. something like that yeah 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 and a lot of times they do get weaned off and then they wean them call them and then breed them so yeah mo- a lot of I'd, most operations probably have that kind of situation but i you know i have seen places where they do breed um, they start to turn the rams out while they're while they're yeah. still lambing. And our later bands, our later lambing sheep, will see a ram while they still have a, a lamb on their side. Right, right. And some of the the sheep that go to the mountains here may have yeah. a lamb at their side too. Yeah, your yeah. late bands. Yeah, and I, the conception would have to be down a little bit, just because of the energy demand. I uh, would think so, and I would think the ovulation because the ovulation rate would be down. That's why. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. be the, it wouldn't be the Rams not working. It's the use not ovulating properly. Or if it did take, it wouldn't have enough energy to support a pregnancy, wool growth, right. lactation right. all at the same time. Right. And Almost add body condition or maintain body condition. Yeah. We ask them to do a lot. They do. They do. They're good. They're good animals. Yep. Yep. They really are. Well, the clickety clicks just clicked to two o'clock. So I think I better, you better get to swim practice, wrap her up, but, uh, I really appreciate the info and thanks again for joining me today. This is awful fun chat. Um, yeah, it was a good, good, uh, good bit of learning. I, I, I like that as kind of a detour from where we've been talking. So yeah, I learned a lot too. It's always yeah. fun to talk through our different approaches to stuff so thank you yes indeed well thanks again dan and for sheep stuff you should know this is ryan mahoney from rio vista california signing off along with dan macon from auburn and we'll see you guys all next week take care dan have a good time at swim practice yeah thanks enjoy the rain i'll be sitting in my car reading a book (laughs) (laughs) see you later see you later